Welcome back to Say Your Story. I'm Dean Stevens. This week's episode, one of my favorite humans ever. She epitomizes the word champion from her playing days to her broadcast career to her Hall of Fame induction. But more importantly, she's a champion of causes, women's basketball, empowering young girls, and Special Olympics. Oh, yeah. She's an amazing mother to three boys. Debbie Antonelli jumps back in front of the mic for this week's episode of Say Your Story. All right, Debbie Antonelli joining us right now. Thanks so much. Um, Man, it's always, 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 always a pleasure to connect. Dean, you know how much I love you and your family, and I am so thrilled that you selected us and our story to share with your listeners, and um, I'm excited to talk to you. Awesome. Um, You know, the cool thing about what I found with podcasts, I don't know if if you found this with yours, but you know, it's more of a conversation than it is like telling a story that we would, you know, maybe do on the news, right? After 30 something years, it's awesome just to be able to sit down and have that normal conversation that you and I would have, you know, at the coffee shop or on the street or in a gymnasium somewhere, and then be able to blast it out to everybody. No question. And since both of you, have, uh, both of us have crossed over the 30 year mark in our careers on television, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's um, let's jump in with the fundraiser um, coming up first, because I've got I've got a list of questions for you. But um, I really do want to talk about the 24 hours, nothing but net. Um, I remember when you started it. I remember the idea. I remember thinking you were crazy. And four years in, are you still crazy? As I sit here with stem on my back and intermittent ice um, in between workouts, yes, I think it's a little crazy. But it's worked, and it's fantastic. And it's definitely worth uh, every ounce of sweat equity that's in this event to raise money for Special Olympic athletes and in our community and families like mine. Um, tell everybody a little bit about Frankie, um, because I don't think, I think it's hard to put into words, um, what he has meant to you, but to our community and his range of influence. Well, Frankie is my middle son. Um, he is smart he's handsome. He's athletic. He's very social. He is now a college grad. He went to Clemson Life, and they have a post-secondary program for students with intellectual disability. He got a COVID year, so he had a grad school year. He had five years, and he has graduated from Clemson Life, and he happens to have Down syndrome. It never defined who he was or what he was capable of doing, and we always look for what he can do, not what he can't do, and that was our attitude moving forward. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Joey and Patrick, his brothers, are great siblings because of it. And obviously, Frank and I wouldn't change one thing about the way we have gone about um, raising Frankie and our family. I know it's important to you for parents of kids with intellectual disabilities and challenges to be able to reach out to them. Do you remember what that feeling was like when he was born? Yeah, I do remember it because I didn't handle it very well. Uh, We were not aware that he was born with Down syndrome until the third trip by the doctor into my uh, my room in the hospital to tell us. Um, We had no knowledge. We had no anticipation of that. There was nothing 
and any of my pregnancy or any of the ultrasounds, now keep in mind this is 24 years ago too, that, that would have indicated there were any issue. Uh, we had a, a wonderful pregnancy, just like the first one with Joey. And um, it was it was shocking. It was um, definitely shocking. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I'm gonna be home taking care of this kid for the rest of my life and the rest of his. And uh, it, it was um, not a, a situation that you had a lot of hope. But thankfully, my husband was great. Frank was terrific during that time. He was ahead of me. And uh, that's a difficult place to be in. And uh, I share that now because I didn't handle it well, but I think, you know, the more I've looked at it, I think it was a natural, uh, in some ways, a natural reaction because it wasn't what you expected. And we had to make a, a significant um, change of attitude. I certainly did. And, and when did that, I, when did that happen? When did you put your foot down and say, no, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm taking it down this path. Well, you know what? It's a, it's a great story about athletics in my athletic background because it involved my coach, Kay Yao. As you know, I played basketball at NC state and uh, my career is in basketball now still, but my coach was in night. Frankie was born in 97. It was about eight or nine months after he was born that I was at the final four in Kansas city with my coach. And she asked me quite simply, uh, how was I doing? And I told her I was doing fine. And she said, no, really, how are you? Mm. Uh, it was a conversation about, um, you know, how you handle um, adverse situations in our life. At the time, she was battling cancer for the third time. And so she imagined having a child with special needs was similar to finding out that you have cancer. It's not something you plan for. You don't know what you did right or wrong. Um, you don't understand why God has given you this situation. And at some point you have to figure out that you're going to change your attitude in your mind and cancer is not going to beat me. And I'm going to be the best mother of this child with special needs that I can possibly be. And when that shift happened for me, he was about nine months old. I came home from the final four and I said to Frank, that's it. Mm. That's it. I'm, I'm done. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing what I've done as an athlete my whole life. And that is fight, work, figure it out, come up with a game plan and then uh, get everybody on the team. I've always been a, a team player. I've always been a leader on my teams and I'm going to lead from the front. And if they don't get on the, you know, jump on with us then they're out. And you know what, Dean? Um, through the Charleston County school system. I say this not with great pride, but certainly with a, a conviction that this wasn't my decision. This was the three people that were involved in this that didn't do their jobs well. I only uh, assisted two teachers and one bus driver being fired. There should have been more. <laughs> Don't <laughs> There you... should have been more, man. I know, and I love that part of the story, by the way. But don't you think, too, and, and, and I can compare it to like mental health now, right, is that this wasn't something talked about openly. And I don't think school districts or businesses were equipped or ready to handle or had an open mind to handle what you were trying to do 20 years ago. Well, there's no question about that. And today, you know, I use the word hope. If a child is born with something, no matter what it might be. There are plenty of options and our world has become a little bit more accepting. We still have a long ways to go, 
But in seventh grade, when Frankie was in seventh grade is when I learned that there were programs that would allow him to potentially be a college student. Ironically, the state of South Carolina, wherever the number is out of 50 states on where education is from a public standpoint, I know it's not great, but for post-secondary experiences for students with intellectual disability, we are a leader. That's amazing. And Clemson is a pilot program initially and has become the dominant force in this space. Uh, everyone that has a chance to learn about Clemson life. I can't even tell you the countless number of graduates at Clemson. You know, we, we know friends that have gone to school. They are all beaming with this incredible pride that Clemson is a leader in this space for people with intellectual disability. Uh, and it, it's absolutely amazing. We are, uh, you know, for five years that Frankie was a college student. It's not something we ever believed would happen. Every day I'm shaking my head just mm. thinking about the journey to get help him be the best he could be. But in seventh grade, Dean, is when I learned that these programs existed. And that's when I really dug a little bit deeper into the IEP process, setting up options for Frankie, getting everyone on the same page and going, you know what, the way this process is written out or the way the state or federal laws are or whatever, you know what, that's not what we need. This is what we need so he can go to college. Here are the minimum requirements for a person like Frankie to be able to go to college. This is where we're going to drill down our effort. And either you're in or you are out because I'm not <laughs> sacrificing my kid while you're trying to figure it out. I'm telling you what we need to do and you better get on board. And fortunately, we didn't have 100% buy-in, but we had enough. And uh, my persistence from the and I knew after that nine-month period after he was born, after that, it was like, you know what? Full court press, man. Full court press. Yeah, 40 minutes of hell. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep talking. Um, the The passion that you have, obviously, for Frankie and, and your family, um, same kind of passion you have for, and from the, the minute I ever met you, it was to raise awareness for women's basketball and you've done that in so many different ways and when we watched the final four this year and I watched Don Staley work and through Charlie's experience being on that practice team and understanding oh, yeah. right <laughs> is yeah. um the love and the leadership shines from that coach and um and I just wanted to kind of get your feelings on 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 Dawn and and what you've seen through her coaching on that sidelines and almost in a personal realm as well. And what she's meant to know. women's basketball. I don't know if there's enough positive adjectives that you can just use to describe who Dawn Staley is. Uh, I've known Dawn since she was a player at Virginia, and I've followed and studied and watched her path through uh, the WNBA when – she was playing point guard for the Charlotte Sting, which is a franchise that doesn't exist anymore. While she was deciding to take on the head coaching job at Temple, while she was finishing a degree and writing a book, I mean, I, I looked at this woman like, wow, she's taken on a lot. But you know what? She is a remarkable human being. Now, I don't know if you can, if you even took the basketball out of it and just studied Dawn from all the things that you said, from a leadership standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, 
Uh, there's not many better in the history of our game at doing both playing and coaching. That's a very small list when you start looking at the history of women's basketball. And Dawn is is remarkable. She's philanthropic. She's giving. She's caring. She has built a dynasty. It's fair to say that once you win mm-hmm. two, it's a dynasty over there. And I, I know Charlie probably got beat up, pushed around, yelled at. But what he did and his efforts to help that team win a championship aren't always rewarded or measured. But certainly if you're in that gym and you watch what those guys do on the scout team, how they help prepare the team, it's invaluable. And Dawn is She's just put together with all the right ingredients. She's got such incredible balance about how she approaches everything. And since I was there at the beginning and year one calling those games when there was no one there and they weren't very good uh, and have watched what she has done, it's something we all should celebrate because uh, it, for somebody like me who has dedicated my career to the game, I couldn't be more proud, especially in our state, with the way Dawn has managed her business the, the construction of that team, how Dawn has changed over the years, and what an incredible leader she's become. I don't think there's anything Dawn Staley can't do. Like you, I'm a big locker room culture guy, right? It goes for family. It goes for business. I used to say this when I was working at Channel 4. Like the most, I used to look at the teleprompter operator, and I'd go, hey, you know who the most important person in this building is today? And they're like, no, who? And I go, you are. Yes. Right? You are the most yep. important person in this room. Because, again, you have every word at your disposal to turn that little not, uh, that toggle switch and mess up every anchor, right? You are the most important person. And when, when Dawn brought up, I mean, even after the game, sitting on the, the set, the ESPN set, on the floor, and she brought up the practice team. She talked about them. Like, who does yeah. that? Yeah. And well, that's because- the leadership part that anybody, I don't care what business you're in. You better no, take I, care of the person on the very bottom of that totem pole that you may not think is very important. That person's really important. It's about building and serving and lifting and empowering others. Those are some of my standards that I try to make my decisions by. I mean, I have learned so much from the athletic community. And one of the things that's so valuable to me in every aspect of whatever I do is team. I mean, I, you're always on a team. You may not recognize it, but I remember in business culture when it went from staff to team. Mm -hmm. Remember the conversations that you would hear people talking about our team? And team is such an important word in our society. It might be up there one of the most important words because it means so much to play your role and to try to help others succeed and to try to serve and build and bring people along with you. You can't do it by yourself. There's nothing that we do that you do alone, whether it's your family, your business, trying to do an event like 24 hours of nothing but net. There's so many people. And for us in television, yeah, you know, there's two of us out front calling a game, but there's Mm -hmm. 30 to 60 people behind the camera that are making this event work. And we can't do anything on camera unless they make us look good. And we all know that, that those of us that work in it, there's so many valuable pieces there that are part of the team. The three big words right now in college athletics, name, image, likeness. Do you like it or are you afraid of it? Well, um, I don't know what the end game is here. Uh, I mean, athletics is not uh, amateurism anymore. 
I mean, this is professional free agency salary cap conversation in college athletics. There's not a coach that I've spoken to in the offseason that doesn't bring up the transfer portal and the name, image, and likeness, the impact of dollars in the game for these athletes. I'm good with them making some money because other students on campus can do it. But the archaic rules that were put together now that are archaic to keep third party people out of our game has, has um, changed the model forever. Uh, we can't put the genie back. I don't know what the end result is. The transfer portal is open until August. We don't even know who's going to be on teams until the rosters are set when they enroll in school in August. Mm-hmm. So, you know, salary cap is used to be the scholarship. I don't know how you, um, I don't know how the NCAA has allowed this to happen. Uh, I, I just don't understand uh, how this could happen. I, I really don't. I mean, they are they're so far behind in so many aspects of the game. And I hope that smarter people like Coach K or Jay Wright, who have stepped aside, or Roy Williams, you know, just mm-hmm. to mention a couple, you know, that can help <laughs> help figure some stuff out because it's just the lack of, of foresight and leadership on so many different levels. And it's frustrating and it's concerning. It doesn't change what I do. Uh, it doesn't change how I prepare or approach the game, but it certainly is going to have an impact on, uh, you know, like this is the time of year where I might be looking at uh, watching some film and looking at who's who and what, you know, going back and studying my game. I haven't even taken the time to do any of that yet because there's such a fluid situation. Crazy. All right. Um, over the last tough subject, but I think it needs to be talked about. I'm really interested to see to kind of get your perspective on it from where you are day to day and in, in dealing with college athletics over the last month, three student athletes, division one programs have taken their lives. The mental health part of sports and athletics collegiately. And I know some programs have sports psychologists and psychiatrists. And I'm wondering when you're out on the road and when you're talking to coaches and players, is that a subject that comes up more than it used to or at all? Well, first of all, this is such an upsetting conversation um, for people that need help and don't know how to find it. Because if you're struggling, no matter what the level is, you need to reach out. Someone has to be able to be there to be able to help. Mm-hmm. It's a fine line for coaches between the tough love and a player losing their confidence. I think that's why you have professionals. Coaches aren't equipped to deal with that, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're venturing into a whole nother area that, you know, it used to be, you know, you just coach your team, make sure they go to class. Now coaches are dealing with greater issues than some CEOs of fortune 500 companies. I mean, mm-hmm. out of stress. Okay. You could say, yeah, they make a lot of money, but some of the issues that, have come to the forefront are actually ADs and coaches are retiring a little bit earlier because it is a delicate, scary, concerning, high level issue inside college athletics. Uh, it, It breaks my heart to think that the balance between being competitive and being the best that you can be versus some adversity and struggle, which everyone has, there's not a person in or in society that doesn't have 
some obstacle or adversity to try to manage. And it's concerning. Uh, and, I, and I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not equipped professionally to be able to handle it. I just know that you have to have, as a leader, some sort of recognition of, or some sort of alert that if things aren't going the way they're supposed to for someone, that at least you can help them find help mm-hmm. because you can't let it go undetected anymore or you know push it aside because you don't want to be the person that pushes aside a player who you think might be struggling with the tough love versus the lack of confidence versus some other adversity that they've dealt with that you're not even aware of. Right. Um, that it's, it's really, really tough. And I think, you know, coaches have had, in some ways they've had to change some of the way they go about conducting business and, um, you know, with, the way things are going in, in, in college sports, it's definitely a, a, a changing time in our lives that, you know, 30 years from now, we're going to look back at and wonder how we survived it. I mean, I don't say that lightly. It's just a changing no. time in sport. Absolutely. And you're dealing with 18-year-old brains and 19-year-old brains and 20-year-old brains. And, you know, being a mother of three boys, you know what that's like. I mean, it's 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 a tough juggle at times. And, and again, you got expectations and now you're throwing money on top of it and Lamborghinis and the whole nine yards. But anyway, uh, thank you for, for sharing that. I really wanted to ask you, you know, kind of where you were with that and and what your exposure was, you know, while you were out on the road. All right, let's take a look again at at what's coming up this weekend. Um, with the, uh, with the 24 hour deal, because I remember when you started it and now you are, I mean, you're pushing, up to how much? A million? Have we passed a million yet? No, we're not at a million yet, Dean. But uh, I mean, I think in the next two years, I do think we might be able to get there, which is beyond anything I ever believed. Uh, you know, from the beginning, I mean, I didn't even know if I could do the task, if anybody would give and if anyone would watch on our live stream. And it has grown uh, such to the point that we have six other states that are joining us on May 14 and 15 doing the same thing that I'm doing. Uh, they might be do, making 100 free throws every hour by a, a single person or by a relay or by a team of people. But uh, it is catching on. And um, the other states are Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Rhode Island, Minnesota, and Texas. And whatever money those states raise, stay in that state. I don't micromanage any of that. They are under the umbrella of 24 hours of nothing but net in the brand. And what I ask them to do is engage their social media, create awareness and raise money, and make 100 free throws every hour for 24 hours. And if they do that, they're underneath the brand and the umbrella of 24 hours of nothing but net and I mean, Frankie's story is the first story, and it's prominent on the website and the the donation page. But uh, it's just been unbelievable to see the money go up every hour that I shoot in my driveway in Mount Pleasant, (laughs) South Carolina, that that we can have this kind of impact on uh, Special Olympic athletes and their families and help raise some money so these athletes can train and compete and organize because we understand how important the value of sport is certainly in our house, but I think sport is so important on so many different levels. What's the highest uh, free throw percentage over the last few years? 
Well, I have two 94s and an 89, which gives me <laughs> Did you ever have those scores on a report card at the end of a year? <laughs> no, maybe Never. in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you what, you know, you know this because you know, you know, it's not about the free throws. I Obviously, I want to shoot it at a high level. So the story is better and more engaging because when you're getting AARP mail and you're out in the driveway and it's I know, really I know. you know, it's a little town, ta- it's a little challenging, but that's the whole thing. Like, you know, the, the better we can shoot it, the better this, the level of interview and celebrity we have on the live stream, the more entertaining it becomes. And I'm just asking everyone for a penny for every free throw I make. It's $24 for Special Olympics, and it goes a long way in helping these athletes because they need it. They need the ability to compete and play. Sport is so important. And, uh, you know, special education is usually the first thing cut, and special education and Special Olympics go hand in hand. It's a part of being a well-rounded, healthy life cycle for, for students and for people like Frankie. And it's important, and and we recognize the importance of it. Well, I thank you for being a friend and a leader in our community and and beyond, truly. Well, thank you for awarding us the Jefferson Award last year, Mm. which really helped propel the story to another level. And, um, you know, I just want to raise money and awareness and that's all we're doing. And, and we're doing it now with so many other people in our community like you, Dean, that help share our story so that people can recognize that your $24 to 24 hours, nothing but net, can make a huge difference in our own community. And maybe you'll hire one of these kids mm-hmm. one day after they graduate from college. Frankie's graduated from Clemson. Let me just finish with this. My son, who is living with Down syndrome, and was a full-time college student. He has, he worked a job while he was in college. He went to class. He was in a fraternity. He played in murals and he was a manager for women's basketball. I can't imagine having a more fulfilling college experience than that. And he's graduated from Clemson and he doesn't have one job. He has two jobs <laughs> that he's graduated from college with. Well, he's got amazing role models. You're the best. Thank you, Dean. I really appreciate you, your time. All right, if you'd like to be involved in this uh, campaign to help out Special Olympics, go to 24 Hours, nothing but net. That's 24HoursNBN.com. You can also uh, find them on YouTube, 24HoursNothingButNet.com, and then also Facebook at 24HoursNothingButNet. All begins noon on Saturday the 14th. Thanks again to Debbie Antonelli, just one of the best. And thanks to you for tuning in to Say Your Story. I'm Dean Stevens. Have a great week, everybody.